Amen. Come on, lift one hand. Father, I'm asking that your people would hear your voice today and not mine. I'm asking that your word would shape us, change us, and mold us like only you can. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Please be seated. Open your Bible to Isaiah chapter number 55. Isaiah chapter number 55. Start at verse 8. Going to read a few verses, then we're going to get to... A beautiful depiction of why it is absolutely critical for you to be in love with your Bible. Somebody say, I love the Bible. I do too. Isaiah 55 and verse 8. When you're there, say, I'm there. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. One translation says, my plans are not your plans. How many of you just right now just thank God that your plans are not all the plans that came to pass in your life? For my plans are not your plans, neither are my ways, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts or plans are higher than your thoughts or plans. For as the rain comes down, And the snow from heaven and returns not there but waters the earth and makes it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. What Isaiah is declaring under the unction of the Holy Spirit is the word of God will not come back to God without accomplishing what God sent his word to do. So as a believer on the Lord Jesus Christ, one of the most fundamental things that we need to do is find out what his Bible says So we can find out what we are entitled to. So we can find out what we have access to. So we can find out all the different ways and areas of victory that we have access to. So we can find out what God is like. Did you know you don't get to dictate what God is like? That's how cults start. Somebody has some form of a spiritual encounter, could have even been with an angel. Did you know the devil disguises himself as an angel of light? But even if an angel himself came and spoke to you and it was contrary to the word, you have to reject what the angelic being said and stand on the word of God. Because it is the word of God that will not return void or will not go go back to God without accomplishing what God intended it to do. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was tempted specifically by the devil after fasting for 40 days, after being baptized, he did not fight him with laser beams and lightning bolts. Come on, somebody. He just said, it is written. He quoted the Bible. He quoted the word of the living God. In the book of John, Jesus is called the Word. How important must the Word be if God even calls his own son the Word? Come on, somebody. 
But if you don't know the Bible, let me tell you how you'll talk. That's not how I see God. Or you'll act like you're educated and just parrot what somebody else said. This is, where, this is why we are where we are politically. Because everybody in their donkey or everybody in their elephant starts quoting things when all they really did was just quote the news article that they read. Which was written by a human that has a brain. That has a political leaning, most likely. So then you're quoting what somebody else quoted to, to further your position, which was already predetermined, generally speaking, by the news website that you're actually looking at. Because you don't read that other stuff because that's fake. <laughs> or you do, don't read that other stuff because that's just right-wing conspiracy. That's Nazis. So you don't read either one. You only read the one you want. So the fact that you're getting your information from one source, which that source was written by somebody who has an agenda. That's why we have to go to the word of God and stand on the word of God and stop being made a political pawn by somebody who wants to say something that's a half scripture quote. So the word of God is the thing that won't return void. But if you don't know the Bible, you'll, you'll say things like, that's not how I see Jesus. Well, unfortunately, like you don't get to dictate what Jesus is like. You have the opportunity and the privilege to find out what he is like. But not the authority to dictate what he is like. So you don't get to determine that healing has stopped. Because you didn't write the Bible. Here's a couple, just so I'm, I figure I just enjoy stepping on things, I guess. You don't get to determine that tongues have stopped. You didn't write the Bible. You can say, I've never seen it. You can say, I've never been a part of it. You can say, I come from a church that doesn't do it or believe it or practice it, or maybe they do believe it, but they don't do it or whatever. You can say any of that. You can say, my family doesn't think that. You can say whatever you want, but you don't get to determine what the Bible says. If the Bible says they all spoke in tongues and prophesied, then they all spoke in tongues and prophesied. You don't get to dictate when Jesus comes back. How many morons fell in that ditch? Let's just be honest. When does somebody's prophecies have to be wrong? How many prophecies have to be wrong before we stop calling them a prophet? The word of God is the thing that doesn't change. You can't, you can't base your doctrine on what you heard on the radio. You can't base your doctrine off of your favorite Christian song. As awesome as Christian songs are. You have to base your doctrine off of the Bible. And then you have to refuse to move off of it. Under any circumstances. Mark my words. If something doesn't change... Reading the Bible out loud will be illegal in less than 24 months in America. You will not be able to open to just any page. They will say, you can't read this part of the Bible out loud. And they will label it something that sounds so hideous. And that will be the reality of the United States of America if something doesn't change. And something changing doesn't start in Washington. Something changing starts right here.
But you can't, you, you, when everybody's claiming the moral high ground, you have to find out what the actual moral high ground is. And that's the Bible. But the problem is, we don't read the Bible. Now, I'm here to help you because a lot of people don't read the Bible, not because they don't want to read the Bible. They don't read the Bible because they, they don't know where to start with the Bible, right? It's like a big book. I mean, how do you read Webster's Dictionary, you know? You just grab an encyclopedia and start going. I mean, it's a huge book. So what I'm going to do for the next few minutes, I'm just going to kind of give some of the sections of the Bible because you need to be able to find the answer that you need in a reasonable time frame, okay? Now, here's, here's one other thing to keep in mind. Anything that you love, you will teach yourself. Anything you do not love, you will want somebody to teach you. It's like financial literacy. I wish somebody would teach me all about money. And then you've got other people that they have gone and and bought the books and the time and the effort to get some financial knowledge. And then they're working based off of somebody else's teaching, but they actually taught themselves. I was in college and I played baseball for a couple years. And believe it or not, if you kept your batting average at a certain level, the grades just seemed to follow. I don't know how that happened, but they did. So I got to my, my junior year of college, and I had to take a class uh, called Differential Equations in Linear Algebra, a.k.a. Calculus 4. Now, I had taken all Calculus 3, but I would say that the calculus three that I took was not a very good preparation for the calculus four I was in. Not pointing the finger at anybody, that's just the way it was. So I went and got a book out of the library. The book was called Calculus for Dummies. And that's the truth. And I learned everything I needed to get me through calculus four, but I had to go and get the information. I couldn't go back and say, because you guys didn't teach me for the last two years properly, it is now your fault, and I'm just going to sit here and cry in my soup about it. Come on, somebody. You got to go to the source and get the information, or you're just going to be stuck. When it comes to the Word of God, you you are not responsible for what you know. Listen to this, because this is going to hit hard. You're not responsible for what you know. You are responsible for what is available to be known. If you can read... If you, can, if you can comprehend, then you are responsible for what can be known. What that means is when you get in Jesus, you enter into a dispensation of grace in your life. You are saved by grace through faith in him. But your life will look exactly like the world if you do not begin to stand on the promises and the laws that are established for kingdom believers. You can't run a spiritual entity on Netflix and ESPN. You can't run your car if it runs on unleaded gasoline. You can't go put tomato sauce in it and expect it to run. You can't put put 90% uh, gasoline in it and 10% molasses and expect it to run how it's supposed to run. 
You have to put in it what it was designed to run on. You say, what do I run on? Well, it's not bread. The Bible says man doesn't run on, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So what happens is you got to find out what the Bible says. And once you find out what the Bible says, then you can actually do what the Bible says. And once you start doing what the Bible says, then you begin to see what the Bible says is available for a Christian or a believer in this dispensation right now. But if not, you'll just act like Kesara, Sarah, whatever happens, happens. And it, 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 be honest with you, it's kind of true in your life if you don't stand on the word. You're just, you're just another vessel that's being pushed around by the tide. When the Bible says that your prayers can change the tide. Your prayers can, can dictate how long the sun is in the sky. You can, you can, with your mouth, call blessings into your life or in your mouth, with your mouth, call curses into your life. But you'll sit there and question and worry God for stuff that he's already made very clear in his Bible. And it's all because the Bible says, for lack of knowledge, my people perish. Believers don't know the Bible. And that's why we don't see the Bible come to pass. That's why hospitals are still at capacity. Because we don't know. And when I say no, I don't mean just no. I'm talking about rhema. No. I'm talking about no. Because there's a difference when you heard that Jesus was God's son. And there's a difference whenever you decided that he was God's son and he saved your life. That was rhema to you. And you became different. And it wasn't based off of the fact that Jesus changed. It was the fact that you changed based off information that you got that put the knowledge of Christ above the stuff that you had experienced. And now it's a shift. And now we got believers walking around that everything is explained away because instead of saying, I haven't seen it, but I believe it, we say, because I haven't seen it, I don't believe it. Thomas. So we're calling things that are as if they always will be. And then you end up explaining everything away. And you got major denominations that are sanctifying marriages that are not sanctified by the Bible. All for the cause of not ruffling any feathers when the reality was, as Jesus said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. So the entirety of this situation is, is brought about because of an ignorance when it comes to the word of God, but not at this church. Come on, somebody. So for us, you got to get in love with the Bible. And I just want to tell you, me, nor the greatest Bible theologian on the planet, which is probably Brian Shepherd, come on somebody, not the greatest Bible theologian on the planet can give you in 30 minutes what you need to run on for the rest of your life. You got to take, listen to this, a big word, personal responsibility. You got to put the word of God in you and it has to be. Listen, it, it, most of the time when, when the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, it's not because you're, it's not because they're right. It's because you need to fertilize your field. If you paid attention to somebody else's wife indefinitely, you probably won't keep your wife. It's the same thing with the word of God. If it is not your love, if it is not, and you say, well, I'm just not a reader. Change your confession. Stop saying I'm not a reader and say, waking up every morning, write it on your mirror if you have to. Say, I am in love with the word of God and I will put its words in my heart and I will meditate on them daily. And you get that in you and you watch the hand of God move in your life and try to figure out why it took you so long once you start. Because the word of God is the shift in your whole life. 
We've celebrated poems and ideologies long enough. We've celebrated 30 second posts on our cell phones long enough and said, well, that was just what I needed. No, that was a supplement. And you're treating it like a replacement. It is the word of the living God. I, we, have a, we have a great uh, uh, missionary partner to our church, Guinea Anderson, and he goes all over the world. He's, he's founded hundreds, if not thousands of churches at this point. And he was telling me about this one place. There's 400 believers in China in this one area, and they didn't have one single Bible. He said, you should have seen them when I brought them a Bible, a Bible. They began to hug it and kiss it and weep over it. Because in its pages are the, the answers to every question you've ever asked. And the keys to life itself. And if you and me don't, don't get that revelation and start pursuing it, I'll tell you what will happen. Your life will look like everybody else's life that you work with. You'll just have some more spiritual encounters because you go to a Holy Ghost church. But your life will look like everybody else's life. Because we don't know. And what we don't know, we can't stand on. But the minute we know it, now all of a sudden we can stand. And if we can stand, then all of a sudden the Bible says his word won't go back to him without accomplishing it. Whatever he set it out to do. So for you and for me as believers, as, as, as moms and dads, as grandparents, we mute the TV, we turn the TV off. And we say, let me read you John 3. Matter of fact, baby, you read it. Read it out loud so daddy can hear it. Read it out loud so I can hear it. What do you hear? What do you think when you read that, baby? And watch out of the mouths of babes revelation flow. They say, well, they should just do it. Really? Because we're the ones supposed to be raising them in the way they should go. And if they never see us sitting there reading our Bible, they never hear us praying for our wife. They never hear us praying for our husband. They never hear us praying for our children. They never hear us praying for our church and our pastor and our leadership and our region and our county. How will they even know they need to pray? He said, well, why should we pray? Because the Bible says pray without ceasing. It's all the Bible. It's all the Bible. It's all the Bible. Everything else is literally hearsay. I get so sick to my stomach. I've been with, with, with ministers and ministries and I've been talking to them and everything sounds so manipulative. How can we get the people to do this and get the people to do that? Read the Bible out loud. Let them get a revelation. That's how you do it. What if they can't understand it? Stop calling your people stupid. They're not dumb. You sound like the, 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 the Church of England before the Reformation. Oh, they can't understand it. We have to explain everything. Certainly there's some teaching that needs to be, but the Word of God just needs to be loosed in your life. But if you don't read it, you won't know it. If you don't know it, you can't stand on it. And if you don't stand on it, you won't know what your solution will look like. 
but if you know it. I really thought this, this, this sermon series was going to go way different than this. But I just, I just, I just sense with, with all of my being that it's God saying the answer has always been there. Certainly I understand it was pinned at a certain time, but for you and for me, it's always been there. And we've looked in all these other sources. We've looked at all these other entities. We've tried to reason away our belief structure. The most radical prayer you can pray is to ask God to search you. But then you have to be open to what he exposes. And I feel our church, and honestly, every member and believer that's a member of the kingdom of God, I feel like we're operating on a very small percentage of the power that's available, and it's not because his power has ceased. It's because we are more aware of what we can see, feel, taste, and touch than we are of what he says is actual truth. So let me just give you a a couple of things really quickly, and this is what I was going to do. If you have a Bible, it's broken into two main sections. The Old Testament and the New Testament. For those of you watching online, the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Covenant and the New New Covenant. The Old Testament is what the people testified of before Jesus. The New Testament is what people testify of after Jesus. The Bible is 66 books, generally speaking. Six plus six is 12. 12 is always the number of order or government. It is the book that was meant to bring order and government to your life. The first five books are considered the Torah or the Pentateuch. They are considered the law or the books of Moses. And we share them with our Hebrew brothers and sisters. It's what they read. It's a big part of what they read. It's considered the law. And that law is not gone. The law is fulfilled by Jesus. So this is where you'll find the Ten Commandments, which are not Ten Recommendations. The Bible then goes into a more historical section. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. And then it breaks into what we call the poetic books. So you have the Torah, then you have the historical section. And that historical section is going to have a lot of repetition. Because it's going to be stories that are recalled more than once for a historical basis. 
It's not going to be the place that you want to go try to find every little answer you're looking for if you're starting to read your Bible because it just has a lot of history involved there. Then you have the poetic books, and those are written typically by guys like David and Solomon. And, and, and they're, they're like the heart of a person that's praying, that's living for God. David writes psalms, and you can hear him sometimes. He's, 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 he, it's almost gut-wrenching because he's ashamed of, of the fact that he did something or thought something. And then other times, he's just celebrating the fact that God never left him, even in his challenging times. Proverbs was written almost, not all of it, but a lot of it was written by, by some parents for their son to try to give him wisdom in how to live life before he got married. Song of Solomon is also called the Song of Songs, and it was written, in, and it's a beautiful love affair between a, a beloved and, 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 and two people that are about to be married, and, and one is constantly talking about the other, and the other is constantly talking about them, and it, it's a beautiful picture of what Jesus is like, because you're the bride of Christ, and he's the bridegroom, but it's also a beautiful picture for anybody that ever wants to be married, or you are married, and you want to know, what does love actually look like? One beautiful place in the Song of Solomon, it says, the, the, the lady writes and she says, he takes me to the banquet and his banner over me is love. And then you can take that information and realize that's what God intended for you to do with your wife. You don't tell them you love them the day you got married and let them know if it changes, I'll tell you. Come on, somebody. put a banner over them that is love. It talks about how you speak to one another. Then you get into the prophetic books and you have the, the major prophets and the minor prophets and the major prophets would be like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. And it's not like the other ones aren't important, like minor in importance. It's just they're shorter books. So major prophets, it's not like Isaiah is important and Obadiah is not important. That's not what it's saying. It's saying the major prophets are this big section, and then you've got all these smaller books. And then you break over into the New Testament. Everybody say New Testament. And if you've never read your Bible, this is where you want to start. The first four books are called the, the Gospels or the Canons. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you've never read the Bible, start with the book of John. You start with the book of John, and then you, you look for Jesus everywhere. What did he say? What did he not say? Then you run into the book of Acts. This is when the Holy Spirit kind of comes and begins to fill people. Because now the people are clean on the inside that have been washed by the blood of Jesus. Because the Bible also says you don't, you don't wash a pot on the outside first. Come on, somebody. You wash the inside first. Well, now, when somebody's a born-again believer, they're a candidate for the Holy Spirit to fill them. And when the Holy Spirit fills them, now all of a sudden they can do things. Acts like action they can do things they couldn't have done otherwise and so you got the canons then you got or you got the canons or the um, the gospels and then you got acts which is almost like the historical side then you run into what's called the epistles which is a fancy word for letters Paul wrote approximately 13 of them that's why we always call him the apostle Paul it's a guy named Saul that met Jesus on the road 
And the power of Jesus blinded him. And then the scales came off of his eyes and he served Jesus all the days of his life after that. These letters were written typically to churches, typically in different areas. That's why it's so important for the New Testament believer, that's you and me, to know what Paul wrote to the churches because effectively we are a New Testament church. So it's like he was writing them to us. Then you have more uh, general epistles, which oftentimes they're, they're named off of who wrote them. And then you have the revelation. Everybody say the revelation. It's not revelations. Come on, somebody. It's the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not a horror movie on paper. It is a book about victory. It is a book about the victory of a believer. Now, in order to tie that together with some of the prophetic utterances that came in the Old Testament, Daniel, Ezekiel in particular, there's a lot of historical references and Hebraic, Hebrew understanding that can really help you understand those elements that are more they're more complex than for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So when you're, when you're just getting going, you can jump into the Gospels and then read the book of Acts. And pretty much if you read anything from Matthew to Jude, Jude is the last book before the Revelation. You read anything from Matthew to Jude, or actually if you read anything from Acts chapter 2 to Jude, that's where we're at. Because when Jesus was walking around on planet Earth, that's not where we are today. Certainly he'll show up and all that, and that's beautiful and wonderful. But he already did what he was going to do. Matter of fact, on the cross, he said it's finished. And then the Bible told him, the, the Bible says that he told the disciples to go to Jerusalem to, and, and wait there till you've been due with power. And then they were endued with power. And then they've been walking this thing out. And the same guys who were hiding out of fear of their life walked boldly throughout the streets declaring Jesus was the Lord of all. The reason they were able to do this is because the Holy Spirit filled them. So if you read the book of Acts... All the way to Jude, that's where we're at. We're not, we're not at we're not after the book of Revelation. We're before, or kind of some things are maybe kind of in the middle of, but just as a general statement, if you go and read, if you go and read the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, you're gonna pick up 90% of the Old Testament stories that you'll ever hear anybody talk about. Because that's where you're going to see creation, the flood. That's where you're going to see the exodus coming out of Israel. Or it's coming out of Egypt. The Israelites coming out. So when it comes to reading the Bible, you've got to be in love with it. I guess what I'm telling you is, like, don't go to 2 Chronicles chapter number 7. If you've never read the Bible, I mean, like, it's better than not reading anything. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time... Like there are sections that are going to apply to you in your situation more so than other. Like you might not ever need to know all the different laws that were in effect when the Israelites were walking through the wilderness. Because a lot of those laws were put in place to keep them healthy because there wasn't a hospital or a doctor anywhere around. So he said, just don't even do that. Don't even do it. Just stay away from that. 
But you and me, we're not, I mean, you might be Jewish, I'm not. If you're not Jewish, you're not bound to the old laws that are, that make somebody Jewish. So when you read the Bible, you can, you can, you can find the answers to life itself for you and your family. But if you don't, you'll develop opinions. And opinions are like elbows. Everybody's got one. Come on, somebody. So what we have to do as believers, especially in the middle of the battleground, is find out what that book says and stand on it. And refuse to back off of it. Can you say amen to that? Can you give God a hand of praise this morning?